Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Orders written by Arunval. The Optavoyomat, Yuri cursed as he read the Cyrillic characters on the screen. He just received orders from Moscow, and it was bad. Nuclear exchange begun with United States. Initiate the unstable American officials. You are hereby ordered to eliminate American astronaut James Royden at any means necessary. There was more, but it was hardly necessary. Yuri had spent six months living and working with Royden. He knew the man's routines. He swore again, Suck your blood! He looked over his shoulder and then headed for the Soyuz capsule docked with the station. Pulling himself from the handhold to handhold, the hatch was kept closed as a safety precaution. So, when he reached it, he braced his feet under a pair of hold-downs and pulled it up. Several items were included as standard issue in an emergency equipment for use after landing in the Siberian wilderness. Yuri rummaged through them, survival knife, flare gun, there. Finding what he was looking for, Yuri slipped the item into the utility pocket of his coveralls, keeping them hidden. He couldn't afford any screw-ups. He then tucked the knife into his belt, just in case. Maneuvering himself back to the capsule, he looked over his shoulder. He was alone. Good. He dogged the hatch and set it to find Ruiden. James stared at the console. What the frick? He couldn't believe what he was reading. Nuclear exchange initiated by former Soviet hardliners in Russian government. Suspect cosmonaut Kuznostov may have orders to eliminate you. Deadly force is authorized in self-defense. Bullcrap! Royden cursed. What the frick was happening down there? He kicked off the bulkhead and drifted to the window. They were passing over the Russian east coast. Sure enough, he could see rocket plumes rising from the surface and arcing northward. Dozens of them. Crap! Yuri found Royden staring out the window in shock. A glance at the computer screen to his left confirmed his suspicions. Orders from home, James. Royden nodded, unable to tear his gaze from the apocalypse unfolding outside the window. 254 miles below. Yeah, me too. He took a deep breath, steering himself. What he was about to do, well, it wasn't easy, to say the least, but he had to. He didn't have a choice in the matter. He pulled out the concealed item from his pocket, held it to the arm's length, and took a deep breath to steady his nerves. James, I'm sorry. Me too, Yuri. He turned slowly, and Yuri was standing braced in the doorway, right arm extended. He was holding what looked like a two-liter flask. Frick orders, James. Vodka? Yeah, I could use a drink. Duh, me too. He passed the flask to James, who took a belt and returned it. Disobeying orders is never easy. Outside, register barely visible thanks to the station's inclined orbit, rocket motors burned out over the North Pole, boosters separated and missiles went ballistic. Tiny flares were visible intermittently as the warheads separated from their carriers and adjusted course towards their targets. Yuri accepted the flask and took a drink and draped his arm around James's shoulder. 
Frick orders, James. They come from Nickelturny Madmen. He paused and passed back the flask. Uncivilized. Drink. Yeah, that about describes it. Pass. The station was over the U.S. West Coast now. The first of the warheads were re-entering the atmosphere, trading long streamers of plasma behind them. Yuri sipped at the flask. All through the Cold War, my government was terrified that Jaws would strike first. He passed again. James sniffed. <laughs> Mine was afraid yours would launch first. He drank. My orders claim they did. He handed the flask back. Yuri shook his head. Mine says that your government launched first, of course. He drank. Neither government will ever take responsibility, I think. James nodded and accepted the flask. We have four months or so of air left and food and water for the same amount of time, he drank. This is good vodka. Yuri accepted the flask back with a smile. Some of the best, he drank. My family distills it. Outside, the first flashes began to light up the night sky as warheads found their targets. There didn't seem to be anything left to say. The two men floated by the window in a companionable silence, getting drunk as they watched the world end. End of story. Story number two. Hyperspace and Humanity. Written by Arclight Magus. They say that humanity first steps into the huge vastness of the universe where on the verge of insanity would be no more than a little correct. It didn't occur to any human that hyperspace should be traveled with a crew in stasis. A great many ships of the Galactic Union had been lost to crews going insane due to the rigors of traveling in hyperspace. And yet, somehow humanity had managed it with only a few experimental ships lost. Because of the massive fleet losses of the Galactic Union from awakened crew in hyperspace, the race who could travel in hyperspace without risking insanity was both a boon and a warning. Surely that meant that such a race might be more insane than hyperspace could make them, and what madness could such a race bring to the Galactic Union? To say that the counselors were apprehensive upon these discoveries would be a vast understatement. Many wanted to outright destroy humanity, lest their madness be infectious, the embodiment of hyperspace madness, the very thing that they had created great laws and vast stasis systems to order to prevent. But what utterly could not be denied was that, despite the risk of madness, the humans were far more adept in hyperspace piloting and navigation than any member of the Galactic Union, past or present. To successfully navigate hyperspace often took massive supercomputers days to compute routes, but humanity managed it with a simple course and could even change destinations en route. The trade routes were soon jam-packed with recruiters looking for any and every human hyperspace pilot who could fly the faster ship designs which had been relegated to long intrasystem runs due to lack of stasis units and computing power. While the Council deliberated on humans, every criminal syndicate and non-species restricted trade union was out recruiting humans to drive their vessels, legitimate and illegitimate goods flowing with unheard of speed from one end of the galaxy to the other. When the Council was on the verge of banning human pilots within the Galactic Union, the largest collection of trade worlds in the history of the Union issued a statement to the Council and to the Galactic Union on the whole that regardless of the Council's decision, they would be utilizing human hyperspace pilots almost exclusively, 
Some exceptions had been maintained for those species restricted worlds and systems. Humanity, by and large, was thrilled to have an attention, even if it wasn't always legitimate. Humanity exploded into the stars and the many worlds of the Galactic Union. Hyperspace navigation and trade piloting schools of humanity were in such great demand that even many smaller schools were virtually overrun by the rush of students. Small trading companies who hadn't even dreamed of interstellar trading now took on routes taking whatever goods were in demand from one end of the Galactic Union to the other. The Council couldn't believe that the almost outright defiance in the face of their authority, despite not yet issued a determination on humanity. The Councillors openly considered heavy sanctions across the Union, but based on the trade feedback alone, they would face an almost outright rebellion and a complete dissolution of the Union if they did so and not least of which, they also risked their own lives, given the sheer number of criminal syndicates who were flying with human hyperspace pilots. Humanities, discovering its sudden galactic pull, began to dictate to the Council the terms that they would join the Galactic Union. Instead of a trial period, they would immediately become a full member. They would be exempt from the mandatory military service, but would have elevated joining status for any of their species who chose to join the galactic military. They would be unrestricted from setting unclaimed worlds, and finally, they would be exempt from the 10% shipyard tax for all new ships as levied by the Galactic Union. Comparatively, these seemed both reasonable and completely unreasonable. The Council debated heavily and ultimately conceded that the will of the Union was that must accept that these insane humans into the midst as equals, lest they become the most fearsome enemies the Union had ever witnessed. Some galactic cycles after the joining of humanity to the Galactic Union, a study was made of human hyperspace pilots to try and understand how they could withstand the hyperspace when all others before them could not. From the study, the human pilots indicated that hyperspace and navigation, it was a bit like surfing a wave, a human homeworld activity. You just had to know how to read the currents. End of story. Story number three. Hard to Kill, written by Shogun CDN. Admiral Lee finished reading the report and drew his hand slowly over his face. This was not good news. Humanity was entering the galactic stage, and apart from a war, Admiral Lee could not imagine a worse way to be introduced. The human delegation had been so careful, picking the right politicians, scientists, and scholars. How could this have happened? Tell me we can contain this, the Admiral said to Captain Chris. The young captain took a deep breath before she responded. As bad as the news was, she was not one to shirk away from dealing with difficult situations. When others shrank away from the confrontation, she rushed headlong into it. Yet even she paused before delivering her analysis. I'm sorry, sir. It appears to have gone, for lack of a better word, viral. From what we can tell, this has caught on with almost every species that we've catalogued. There doesn't seem to be any way to reverse it at this point, she said. The stars on the viewscreen winked in and out of existence as the vanguard flashed through the non-space. They were due back on Earth in ten days. The news was supposed to have been better than this. Who else knows about this? the Admiral asked. 
So far, just you and I and the diplomatic research team. I trust them implicitly to keep this under wraps, came the response. Help me understand, how did this happen? We sent our best people. Some of the scientists on the contact team have degrees in fields I didn't even know existed. We had protocols in place to make sure that we put our best foot forward and vetted every piece of information before it was shared. The Admiral walked towards the view screen as he spoke. Sir, as far as my team can tell, we did nothing wrong. In fact, it seems that by trying to put humanity in the best light possible, we inadvertently caused this. When we were trying to impress the other species with examples of our tribe and adaptability, we perhaps went too far. It seems that we are a rare example in the galaxy. Human beings have tolerances for heat, cold, and adverse conditions not matched by any other species. If you read on page 40 of the report, the cult delegation initially did not believe that we were able to colonize the planets that we did without perfecting terraforming techniques. Our expansion has outstripped any other species because we are able to survive on planets others don't even bother to explore. The captain explained, It seems that every species has an analog and when their translations are done, it all comes back to the same. And you're saying that this is what is being communicated along all their channels, he asked. Yes, from what we've been monitoring, there seems to be no malice behind any of their actions, though, the captain responded. That's a small consolation. I can't even begin to imagine how we're going to be able to socialize this to 22 billion humans. I'm pretty sure this is going to cause a lot of hurt feedings, the Admiral replied. Well, sir, to be honest, it probably won't bother most of the politicians, the captain said. As the both officers began to laugh uncontrollably, Admiral Lee took a deep breath as he looked out in space and shook his head. He couldn't believe that the histories of more than a dozen alien species would soon be writing about how humanity became known as the cockroaches of the galaxy. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.